Hello everyone and welcome back to Wordplay, a Writing Center podcast. We decided to do another lighthearted episode as we prepare for the season finale. Today I'm joined by Stephanie Martin, a graduate student and Writing Center tutor, to discuss young adult fiction and its legitimacy in academia and problems and issues that exist in the genre. Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to be talking about young adult fiction. I think that you are the perfect person to have on here to talk about this. Oh, thank you. <laughs> young adult fiction is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so I figured because of your background in education and your background with taking Dr. Prickett's young adult fiction class, that we could have a really awesome conversation about the genre. First up, I think we should kind of define like what young adult fiction is. I can talk about it a little bit. Okay. So young adult fiction is fiction that is written like with the young adult experience in mind. So you're looking at the age ranges predominantly between like 14 years old to all the way up to like 21 years old, right when like college or the workforce might kick in. But it's dealing with exclusively young adult experiences. It's very illuminating for any person at any age level because a lot of people don't realize the extent to what can happen in a young adult's life Mm -hmm. and that is why it is so important to read this literature because truly tragic things can happen Mm -hmm. in the young adult life that is not discussed or acknowledged by a a lot of people so it's important to talk about it and Mm -hmm. understand it. I think that's a great definition for it honestly. I think that young adult fiction is also really good for like adults to read like you say because like people don't understand what goes on in the Mm -hmm. lives of like you know people just coming out of their teenage years don't know how to function as an adult crazy stuff can happen but i think something really important to talk about is like how diverse is ya fiction because i feel like it gets this rap of being like hip with the kids and like all of these things but how much diversity do we really see in young adult fiction yeah and you have a good point with that i think about popular YA fiction, like I think about the canon currently in English literature, um, it's still really dominated by white voices. Two of the most popular YA authors right now would be Cassandra Clare and Sarah J. Mass, and they're both white voices. Um, Both of them try to write some diversity, but there's still going to be a difference between getting that diversity from an author of color versus a white author. That doesn't mean that YA literature isn't diverse, though. Just like with the canon, you have to be really intentional when you seek out the diversity. So the market is already saturated with white voices. So when I'm looking for YA literature that is more diverse, unless I add um, the taglines like POC MC, like person of color main character, Mm -hmm. I might be sifting through a lot of books before I find one that actually brings me that experience but again that doesn't mean the diversity isn't there you just have to be intentional when you're looking for it a couple recent ones that are pretty good I say recent it's been probably within the last five years is Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Riviera um, The Poet X and that is by Elizabeth Acevedo and another one is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Universe So those are three pretty good titles um, that I think bring some diversity in. But again, you have to be intentional when you look for it, just like in the canon. You Mm -hmm. have to be intentional when you look for the diversity. See, I absolutely love Julia Takes a Breath. I love that book so much. Another book that, like, just off the top of my head, The Hate You Give, and Mm -hmm. I think the sequel or the prequel to it Mm -hmm. um, by Angie Thomas is also really good. And I think Angie Thomas specifically does a great job of talking about issues POC face like Mm -hmm. as young adults 
because you don't really you can have your main character be like a person of color mm -hmm. and that's fantastic because you want to see like people of color in everyday activities being like normalized like they shouldn't always have to suffer yeah but i think it's also important to have like those other like experiences as well mm -hmm. yeah especially for like white audiences like mm -hmm. the hate you give i'm pretty sure has landed on the banned books list unfortunately mm -hmm. i hate that it is there because i didn't read the hate you give until recently but if that book were not available i would not be as aware of those experiences as i am now i'm a white person so i've never had to go through anything like the main character did i'd never had any firsthand experience with it and it is really important for people to understand the experiences of those who don't look like them, or at least try to understand those experiences, even if we might not always be able to fully understand them. Otherwise, especially with young adults, they're not being prepared as fully as they could be for the real world. Like when they go out into the world, they're not gonna have the experiences of other people, they're not gonna have media or anything like that censored for them like they do in public education sometimes. So censoring them at the public education level is problematic because then they go out into the real world fairly ignorant to other people's lived experiences and that can cause a lot of daily conflict that's just not healthy. Absolutely, and I love that you brought up the banned books list because I was watching the news last night, mm -hmm. um, as I never do, <laughs> and <laughs> On the news, they were talking about how Governor McMaster, you know, South Carolina's governor, mm -hmm. he has like released a list of like banned books. And I'm not has sure. Oh, he has. And one of the books that uh, WCNC wanted to highlight was the book Gender Queer that was completely just like put on the banned books list and cannot be in libraries. Um, I have not read this book. I don't know if you've read the book or if you've heard of it. It's essentially about a teenager who experiences like his experience as like a, or their experience as a person who is genderqueer. Mm -hmm. And I think that really ties. We are not reading these experiences and these experiences are being taken away mm -hmm. from essentially the young adults who are coming out of high school. Yes. And they're not going to know what these experiences are because mm -hmm. a three minute TikTok is not going to tell you the experiences of a person who is living in this reality. Exactly, and another thing that bothers me about the fact that it has been placed on the banned books list, um, and I haven't read it, but now it will be on my list since it's on the banned book list. <laughs> it's unfortunate because it's not only important for the people who don't have that identity to read about that experience. It's important for the people who have that identity to read about it. Um, especially when you're young adults, so much of what you are exposed to is censored for you or um, given to you in a very specific way. So you, you aren't made aware of all of the possibilities of your own identity as far as gender and sexuality. And that can be dangerous as an adolescent when you are exploring your gender and your sexuality to begin to feel isolated because you just are not exposed to anything different. And no matter how much you ban books, no matter how many books you ban on queer identities or differing sexual and gender identities, that is not going to make a child any less different. That is not going to change whether or not they have a queer identity. All that is going to do is further isolate them. And isolation within the queer community leads to really tragic events frequently. Um, it can cause bullying if other people don't understand those identities but it can also create 
really devastating emotions within the person themselves, mm -hmm. it's not fair to them. They should be able to see themselves represented and understand that the fact that they feel different does not make them a problem. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them because they feel different. And literature is the best way for them to understand that. In my opinion, I do love English though, so I'm always <laughs> gonna say literature is the best way to understand that. Exactly, so speaking about these like representations um, within schools, do you, how do you feel about YA being taught in the classroom? I feel like it is so important mm -hmm. that YA is taught in the classroom because literacy in the United States is not great, especially at lower levels. Like once a child enters, I think it's the fourth grade, if their literacy, if they're falling behind in their literacy, it's almost guaranteed that they're not gonna catch back up. So by the time they get into high school, they're not a lost cause, but it becomes so difficult for them to keep up with the material because of their literacy that it breeds a feeling of, of helplessness within the student themselves, and that's really dangerous. So you don't want to be trying to shove down their throats these canonical texts that they have no interest in and that they genuinely cannot understand the language of. It's counterintuitive to be trying to teach them that way because they're not gonna know what you're doing anyways. Why literature brings them the opportunity to find a passion for reading because it can be really diverse. It can be on various topics that actually mean something to them. And you can still achieve the same things when you're teaching, especially with state standards, because you're not ever meant to, in public education, teach a specific text. You can look through the SE state standards for English. You are never going to find the crucible on those standards. <laughs> you are going to find the ability to interpret analyze, communicate effectively, and understand vocabulary. Like those are the things that you will be finding. You can accomplish all of that with, with YA literature. So trying to force students to read canonical texts is almost pointless if they don't want to read them because it's also going to breed this jadedness mm -hmm. within them. They're not going to enjoy reading and they're going to attribute that lack of enjoyment to all types of reading and that could cause them to just not pursue reading outside of school at all. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to do that when you could just offer them the opportunity to choose YA literature that they're genuinely interested in and learn the same skills with? Mm -hmm. like, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> Such a good point. I remember when I was um, an education major and I realized that because I wanted to teach English, I was very upset because I cannot stand Othello. Um, <laughs> I cannot stand Othello at all, actually. And the like semester long reading of Othello when I was in high school did mm. some things, did some things to my soul. I hate I that book. <laughs> I hate that play, whatever it is. God forbid. Mm -hmm. I hope Shakespeare forgives me. It's, I can't. Can't do it. Yeah. But. We understand, or now that we've like understood that we can teach YA mm -hmm. in high schools and in middle schools, elementary school, well, middle school, high school, how about at the academic level? In college, is it legitimate, I guess, to say that YA fiction should be taught in the collegiate classroom? Absolutely, it should be. 
Um, so I know that we could probably break this up into, into two ideas of collegiate because we have our English majors that are going to be reading the canon anyways. Like, we're never going to get around reading the canon, so we're going to have to accept it. Even mm -hmm. though why literature could be introduced more, mm -hmm. we're still going to have to read the canon. But outside of that, most colleges are going to require, or at least four universities for sure, are going to require gen eds like Writing 101 um, and your basic type of literacy courses to make sure that they're uh, reading and writing effectively. Using YA literature could still get them to the same endpoint. They don't necessarily have to be reading philosophical texts like Plato in order to learn how to write well, especially when it comes to critical reading, writing, and thinking. Like You can still accomplish those things with the right YA literature. And it could also make the classroom even more interesting if you challenge students to maybe take their favorite YA book and pick it apart, apply that critical thinking lens to it, you know, determine what arguments are being made in the book, what the validity of those arguments are, what kind of biases are present in the book. Those are skills that would be incredibly effective. And it would demonstrate to them that these can be applied to like a wealth of things in their life. So I definitely think that why literature can be applied at the collegiate level, because you also have to consider that these are people that are still within that age range. A lot of the students that they're going to meet in these like introductory courses are going to be anywhere from 17 to 19. So all of these experiences are still going to apply to them. But even if you do get the non-traditional student who is older, maybe like they're middle-aged and they're taking some of these courses, it's still really important for them to read YA literature too because yes, they had those young adult experiences, but those experiences are changing because of the generational experiences. So YA literature that is going, like being written right now is going to be different from the literature that was written like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It's going to be highlighting different experiences, different economic experiences in a lot of ways. So it could bring a lot of exposure to them to understand those differences between their generation and the newer generation. That's a really good point. I never thought about like applying it to like the literacy courses and like that's, hmm, I never thought about that before. Well, I am here to ruin your day because okay. <laughs> we are going to talk about some stereotypes with mm -hmm. young adult fiction. So I have some stereotypes here. Mm -hmm. um, some things that I gathered from people who shall not be named to respect that. their privacy. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to go ahead and go through them. Okay. I'm going to present a stereotype, mm -hmm. some ideas that people have. I just want your genuine reaction, just okay. how you're feeling, and if you think that that is accurate. Something that I came across in my search for these was the stereotype that young adult fiction is poorly written and that the experiences that are being relayed in these novels and in these like short fiction pieces are not being told accurately, that these are being like chopped up and presented in a very childish and stereotypical way. I think that it is overreaching to try to say that an entire genre is not well-written. Um, yes, there are definitely examples within young adult literature of pieces that were not well-written, but to claim that all of young adult literature is not well-written is 
a little ignorant in my opinion. I, it also reduces the entirety of the genre to something that it's not. I've read a lot of young adult literature that is very well written, but you also have to consider the audience that it's written for. If you are someone that has you know, a PhD and you're very used to reading Shakespeare and then you suddenly try to read a young adult book, you might not think that the writing is good, but that goes down to taste. And that's also because like you have been reading a certain type of literature, so you have a certain level of expectations from your literature, but that doesn't devalue young adult literature. It doesn't make it any less well-written. It's just written differently. As far as the experiences being like misrepresented or chopped up, I think that is also a valid critique depending on who the writing is by. Like I mentioned earlier, young adult literature is still popular young adult literature is still really saturated by white voices. Um, that is something that we haven't really been able to get around as of yet. So yeah, when white voices are trying to write about the experiences of people of color, I could definitely see those experiences being misrepresented and that would be very problematic. So yeah, I could see that criticism, but I've also read literature where those experiences were vital and were represented in really good ways. Like, I personally liked The Hate You Give. I know some people did not enjoy the book. I did enjoy it. And I don't think that the experiences were misrepresented. It would be honestly weird of me to try to claim that they were misrepresented. Mm -hmm. And trying to say that they've been chopped up is interesting to me because... A popular criticism of young adult literature is also that it like it talks too much about certain experiences mm -hmm. like it is not censored enough about certain experiences so then to say that it the it chops up them chops them up is funny <laughs> because you can't have it both ways uh, you can't claim that young adult literature is not censored enough and then simultaneously too chopped up mm -hmm. that's just it's it doesn't work that way mm -hmm. So my next stereotype mm -hmm. is that young adult literature or young adult fiction is shallow. So saying that things that only talk about like the surface level things like, I think one of the examples that they gave was looking for Alaska, saying that it was like shallow and that it doesn't really get to the depth of what's going on with like, I don't know, it's been like years since I read looking for Alaska, but like just saying that young adult fiction does not actually talk about anything except for the surface level experiences. I think that's an interesting criticism because that goes back to the intentionality that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. You can find shallow literature in any genre. Mm -hmm. You can find shallow, shallow literature in the adult genre. You can find shallow literature in the canon because I'm certain that I've read it. Claiming that this is something that is exclusive to YA literature is inaccurate. There will always be novels that are more shallow, but there are also novels that go into depth about experiences that we need to learn about. One of them that we keep on referencing is The Hate You Give, but another one that I love that is my favorite is The Storyteller by Antonia McKellis, and it, it does a deep dive into this idea of privilege, and it kind of shows the difference between a very privileged girl's life and the life of a boy who does not have that same privilege, and none of those issues are shallow. I think that sometimes when people make these criticisms, they forget the audience that these books are written towards as well. It's really easy for adult audiences to feel like the problems 
quote, quote, the problem. The experiences of the young adult are shallow. They feel like their experiences are more important just because they feel bigger to the adult. They Mm -hmm. incorporate, like, real-world, quote, quote, Mm -hmm. type of things. Bills and, and jobs and things of that nature. But that doesn't diminish the experience of mm-hmm. the adolescent. It does create a lot of angst within the adolescent to feel as if they are constantly being told that they're shallow, that mm-hmm. their problems don't matter, which is another reason why why literature is so important and should be taught in the classroom because these experiences aren't shallow. Exactly, and even like with like your favorite novel that you were talking about, uh, The Storyteller, that has very like adult themes in it, right? Yes, it does. It has super adult themes in it. <laughs> themes that I know that some people would probably argue need to have the book placed on the banned books mm-hmm. list. And I'm really glad it hasn't been placed on it. I think part of the reason it hasn't is because it's flown under the radar. It's not a very popular book. It was written by, I believe, a German author and then translated into English. So it's kind of like a covert, risque book, so to speak. But if people knew about some of the themes in it, they would probably want it on the band's book list. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that I read it when I was a young adult. I needed it. And some of those more adult themes in it that I still feel like are important for young adults because, like, your age is not going to determine the experiences you have. And there are a lot of young adults who go through experiences that adults haven't even been through. So some of these themes within the novel include, like, poverty, like the extensive poverty where prostitution is necessary, murder, suicide. Those are all themes that that become very relevant in the novel. Drug abuse becomes very relevant in the novel. An older sibling taking care of exclusively a younger sibling without any financial or emotional support from an adult. And while those all seem very intense and like they they should not be allowed to be consumed by young adults, um, it's really important to recognize that these are things that still impact young adults. So whether or not they're being written about and read by other some people want to call them children but they really are young adults um doesn't really matter because it's still going to happen and it can be really powerful and really beneficial for a student especially who has been through those things to read about it in a novel and to see that they could get through it to find some kind of relief within that text to feel like their experience is not isolated within the world Um, It is those feelings of isolation that breed helplessness and that can create so much dejection and apathy in students that is problematic and damaging for a very long time. So just because the themes are adult doesn't mean that they aren't still applicable to young adults. That's why I feel like it's still so important and books shouldn't be banned. Yeah, and with my favorite uh, young adult novel, The Hazelwood uh, by Melissa Albert, it takes... It's very like fantasy, high fantasy, and it talks a lot about like really serious topics, but it does so through like symbols. Like it's very Alice in Wonderland-esque, but it does talk about very like mature things. Well, Stephanie, unfortunately, that is all the time that we have today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really think that even though it was intended to be a light episode, (laughs) um, we did get really deep into some like serious issues that are in YA, but also kind of discussed how it is an important genre and it's important for students to be able to interact with this in school. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciated the discussion and I hope that Anyone who is listening will be encouraged to incorporate YA into their lesson plans and into their collegiate level classrooms. 
Absolutely. And do not forget to vote in the bracket this week and next week. The finale will be all about whichever author wins. So please go vote. Pretty please. Um, the finale will be coming out on the 22nd of April. So be sure to tune in then and I will talk to y'all later. Bye.